Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorization number TP slash 01005. Welcome back. Damien Watson with you here on SEN, your home of sport. If you want to text in at any time, 0433981116. Well, plenty of cricket going on. The Australian T20 international side is about to commence their T20 World Cup campaign. The WBBL is taking centre stage locally as well in that same T20 format. Plus, we have the continuation of the Sheffield Shield. So starting to warm up locally in terms of cricket. Andrew Menzel from the Cricket Unfiltered podcast joins us on the line to discuss the latest cricketing news. How are you, Metters? I'm doing well, thanks, Damien. That's good to hear. Now, Australia preparing to take on South Africa in their opening T20 World Cup clash. How do you think they'll go? They had a warm-up match against India in which they were defeated. How do you think they'll fare, given Australia traditionally doesn't do all that well in the international T20 format? Historically. Yeah, Damien, you've got me. Yeah, you've got me at an all-time um, low in terms of my confidence in the Australian team at the moment going into this World Cup. I've never felt this way before. I think that I just give them you know, virtually no chance of doing anything. Uh, I'll be surprised if they win more than a game or two. Um, I was just sort of looking over the squads of the other teams and Boy, the other sort of the other seven teams in the top eight look much stronger than Australia and the South African side. He's got a couple of really good performers that excel at T20 cricket. And Australia's performance against India last night was not promising. So, yeah, not feeling too good about our chances. What in particular are the main Achilles heels, if that's the right expression to use in regards to the Australian squad? What's the detriment? Oh, look, it's a few things. But I think, firstly, the fact that Aaron Finch and David Warner come into the tournament out of form is a putting a lot of pressure on the side. And if they don't uh, come out swinging and do well, then Australia are going to really struggle. We saw in the practice match against India, you know, when you're three for not many, it's pretty hard to fight back and get a big score. So that's a big concern. Then the middle order, there's no real sort of late order specialist. Steve Smith's not a hitter. Um, you know, they've got Marcus Stoinis, who's not really a proven hitter down the order in T20 cricket. He bats up the top of the order for the Stars. So, you know, there's real problems. There's no specialist slogger down there. Dave, Matthew Wade is, is batting down the order when he bats at the top of the order for the Hurricanes. I don't mind that so much, but there's a lot of question marks. And added to that, in spinning conditions, I'm just not sure Zampa and Agar match the spinners in the other side. I mean, Afghanistan have, I think, three or four spinners that would walk into our Australian side right now. And, yeah, it's it's going to be tough. It's an interesting point you make in regards to spin because that's becoming more and more ever-present in importance in T20 cricket. Traditionally, it was sort of fobbed off in a way because it was easy to slog the spinners when you got hold of them. But at the same time, if you get the turn right and the flight right, it can 
bring a lot of batsmen, overzealous batsmen undone. So it's becoming more and more of a weapon. And do you think it's grown in importance when it comes to the T20 format? Oh, most certainly. I think when T20 cricket emerged, there were some fears that it might take the spinners out of the game. But mm. in fact, it's actually brought them into the game much more. And if you look at the world T- T20 bowling rankings, they're all spinners basically in the top 10. I think the South African Tabriz Chamsey is the number one um, T20 bowler in the world at the moment. So he's you're going to be lining up against the Aussies on the weekend. And Look, I think Agar and Zampa are fine bowlers, but they're just outmatched by the others. And I think we'll see that class difference in this tournament. Well, if you don't expect the Aussies to do well, when do you think they'll be knocked out? <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, I don't expect them to get through to the semifinals. Mm. I mean, if they get through to the semifinals, uh, that would be overperforming, in my opinion. There you go. Uh, low expectations. We're speaking with Andrew Medzel from the Cricket Unfiltered podcast. One element that I've really enjoyed about the T20 World Cup so far is watching some of the minnows go about it. And it was sadly lacking in the last one-day World Cup, the one-day international format in 2019. You didn't see really many minnows going around. Uh, you've seen Papua New Guinea, Bangladesh. Uh, I suppose Bangladesh are no longer a minnow these days, but even Ireland, Afghanistan. A number of minnow teams going around, and I think it's been fantastic to watch oh yeah and um look if they're listening trust me you're going to get a few emails about labeling the minnows um, I, i'm I've just saying i'm just saying comparatively that. speaking i know i've had that i've had that thrown at me in the past but look um i think it's been great look we saw scotland beat bangladesh we saw namibia win their first world cup game overnight it, it adds a lot, and I think they've got the format of this tournament spot on with it. Um, you know, playing this sort of round one leading into the sort of main part of the tournament, I think it's terrific. Yeah, I think so too. And uh, hopefully we see more and more of that when it comes to broader international tournaments going forward because it grows the game of cricket. And I think the cricket nuffies really enjoy it because uh, it doesn't happen all that frequently. Now, let's turn our attention to the WBBL. What have been the highlights and lowlights for you so far? Obviously, the main concern from my perspective, Georgia Wareham suffering a knee injury, a very promising spinner and uh, playing for the Melbourne Renegades. She's in the Australian lineup, as we know. For her to go down in that manner is a cruel blow. Yeah, well, you talk about lowlights. That was most certainly one looking at her tumble over in the outfield yesterday. It was very distressing scenes. Uh, she was in a, lo- a lot of pain straight away, and you knew it was a serious injury. And yeah, it just was you know very ugly thing to watch. And um, and I think it's a, it's you know it's a huge loss for Australian cricket that she'll be out of um, action for a good year now, recovering. She'll miss the Ashes and the World Cup. So just very sad situation and. Yeah, it was just tough to watch. But I think my sort of impressions so far are things. One, that the tournament hasn't really warmed up yet. I think we'll see in the next few games then really get into it. And then the second thing is it's they're very evenly matched. The, the, there's not much between these teams. They've all sort of got match winners sprinkled right throughout the tournament. And, you know, we've seen the Sixers and the Strikers look very good to start with. But I wouldn't rule out any team yet. I do think, though, that Wareham being ruled out of the Renegades leaves a big hole for them. She was vital for them with her all-round capability. So that will set them back a bit. 
And, of course, they didn't have a very good season last year, the Renegades. They do have some new inclusions, as we know, but uh, you know, after a couple of semi-final appearances, they went a little bit downhill last season. And, yeah, the loss of Wareham is obviously significant after they lost Maitland Brown. She's obviously out of the Renegades lineup now. She's uh, moved on and uh, crossed borders, if you like. But at the same mm. time, that was a big loss for them right, last right. season because she was their main pace bowler and uh, she went down with an injury early on in the tournament as well. Just in regards to some of the other highlights of the WBBL thus far, it seems like the interest is pretty significant. It seems to be growing year on year, isn't it? And I think having that standalone format in regards to being in that October-November slot where there's not a heck of a lot else going on domestically in sport, particularly this year because the NBL and the A-League are starting a little bit later, it's sort of got the time slot to itself locally alongside maybe the horse racing. Oh, yeah. This is a, a, a great piece of fixturing by the the Brains Trust of Cricket Australia. They're real visionaries when it comes to women's cricket and, you know, they've just been so brave to just carve out their own slot. This is what the second year they've done that. And the ratings have been through the roof. I think a 58% increase um, in TV eyeballs on it. And it's only going to get stronger. It's already the fourth most watched sports league in Australia, is. which is quite incredible. Um, so, yeah, you're you spot on about the timing being right in this little gap. And I know for me, it's 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 almost heaven sent, Damien. Yeah. You know, you've been suffering through winter with no cricket. And then you get the WBBL, which is, you know, a stack of great action. Um, so, yeah, look, I think it's going to be a great tournament. I just think at the moment, you know, a lot of these players have come out of, of a winter of not a lot of cricket, and apart from the Australian squad, and I just think we're seeing a bit of rust. But I think we'll see that shake off, and, and, these, and these teams will really start to cut loose. Well, you speak of that rust, is that because ultimately a lot of these players, aside from maybe the international representatives for Australia and the overseas teams, a lot of them haven't really played competitive cricket since, what, March? So it's been a long Absolutely. time between drinks. Yeah, and a lot of them haven't been able to train properly because of yeah. various lockdowns. So it has been a tough situation. But there's been some cracking games, the Super Over on, on Sunday. Oh, I saw that. That was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, that was a ripper. Um, so, yeah, action, action, action. Rachel Priest got a big hundred yep. for the Hobart Hurricanes yesterday, the first ton by WBBL Hurricane, and that was, you know, littered with big hits. So, yeah, it, it's certainly worth watching. Speaking with Andrew Menzel from the Cricket Hub Filter podcast. Now, James Pattinson announced his retirement from international cricket. What do you think will be his legacy? You just get the sense a lot of people have been comparing him to Bruce Reed in regards to maybe that school of thought that we didn't see the best of him because of various injuries. And there were times where he looked very, very intimidating. You go back even 10 years ago, remember that series against India, the 2011-12 summer, he was absolutely on fire in that Boxing Day test from memory in 2011, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, But we never saw the best of him because he was always struck down by injuries. Yeah, it's a frustrating career for James Pattinson, but you're right. Um, a bit like Bruce Reed, he, he promised a lot but didn't quite get enough test cricket. And I, I look, I remember him as being just a, a fine bowler at all levels. He, he was a you know a match winner at his best, and you know he had that terrible run of injuries. And then when he comes back, he you know comes up against um, Stark, Hazelwood, and Cummins who are ensconced in the sides. So I sort of didn't expect him to retire, but when I sort of reflected on the decision, you can sort of see where he's coming from. He doesn't want to be the spare part bowler. And I think maybe what's not 
I guess, being articulated is there is a great opportunity for him now to play in T20 leagues around the world. He's only 31. He's, he's, as I said, he's still a match winner and he's got a young family. He could earn some really good money over the next three or four years being a sort of gun for hire. Um, and rather than sort of, you know, be a bit part player that uh, doesn't play a lot of cricket in Australia. Yeah, that's a reasonable summation to make. We're speaking with Andrew Menzel from the Cricket Unfiltered podcast. Just moving on to the Sheffield Shield. Tasmania won a thrilling Shield clash against WA by three wickets with Peter Siddle starring. Another five-wicket haul for him. I know he obviously removed himself from the international scene. I think he announced it late in 2019 from memory. He would almost uh, be tempted to bring him back because he's been relatively consistent with his form over the last year or so for Tasmania. Yeah, that was a great game at the Wacker, and the Shield desperately needed a result. There'd been some oh, no. you know, pretty dull draws already this summer, and it just it needed someone to break the mould and go for it. And we saw a, a sporting wicket at the Wacker, and even though there was a bit of rain, they got the four innings in. And you're right, Peter Siddle, you know, player of the match performance, six wickets, um, great stuff. We won't see him in the green and gold again, but. When when it just makes it a very hard for the Tasmanian selectors to think about sort of moving him on while it's performing like this. You know, it'd be tempting to bring in a young bowler and maybe take him out. But I think while he's doing the job, um, you know, we might see him this year and next year. Yes, and uh, just he, he has that cult following as well, which is always great to see. And a lot of Victorians still love him. Don't worry about that. And uh, speaking of Victoria, cricket returns to that state and New South Wales with Sheffield Shield action. There's a Marsh Cup Day nighter at the MCG as well. What did you make of the next round of fixtures which were recently announced, given neither of those sides, New South Wales or Victoria, will likely play any other states until next year? Yeah, such a bizarre start to the domestic summer and uh, it can't come quick enough for New South Wales and Victorian teams with, you know, you know, a few players there looking to break into the Ashes side. You sort of look at Nathan Lyon and, and Moses Enriquez and mm. um, even Curtis Patterson from New South Wales. And then you've got Marcus Harris and Will Pekofsky for Victoria. Um, yeah, they've got to get the season away. I think Pekofsky's going to miss the first Shield game but then come back for the second one. So it's going to leave it pretty tight for him to you know, push for an Ashes um, spot. So there's an opportunity there for Kawaja or Harris to maybe um, partner David Warner um, at the Gabba. Do you realistically think they'll give Kawaja another chance again? I mean, you go back, there was that great innings he had against Pakistan a few years ago, but there have been times, particularly on local soil, where he struggled and just can't really string consecutive, you know, reasonable innings together. Yeah, look, that is why it was dropped. But I think... His record opening the batting is, is very good. It's averaging almost 100 as an opener. He, he does sort of bat well with David Warner. They have known each other for a long time and played cricket since they were juniors. And I think if you're just looking at a one-off series, I mean, Australia has to win against the Poms. You don't think about the next series. You don't think about anything else but winning these five test matches. And Kawaja, just with a, you know, a test average in the 40s, on home soil just might be something the selectors think they'll throw him in. Well, Andrew, really appreciate your time as always. Best of luck watching the Australian side going around and hopefully they can advance through to the semi-final against your expectations of the T20 World Cup. And all- 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Always enjoy as well watching the Sheffield Shield of the WBBL. It's been fantastic thus far, and hopefully it continues to improve. Appreciate your time. Yeah, I heard there's going to be about 2,500 hours of cricket broadcast over summer, so I'm going to be kept busy. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91.